she's probably fitter and more flexible than you'll ever be. She's an aerialist and dancer with a love for both pink and steel, and is the producer of and feature performer at the Love Show's Secret Circus and Street Meet, which you'd see every month at Secret Loft. I am happy to have with me today the wonderful aerialist. Hello. Hello. Okay. So, growing up, what were some of the things that you were interested in? Um, well, first off, I had a swing. I actually grew up in Chelsea. You know, they were lucky enough to get a garden apartment, so we had a, a little swing on the fire escape. And I would listen to music and swing and sort of like pretend that I was flying for hours at a time. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of entertaining myself I, because I was an only child. I would just sort of like play games with uh, little figurines, make up stories, explore the city. Like I would walk around and and see like cool places that I could find. What was your first experience with aerialism and was it love at first sight? And is aerialism the actual term? Um, it can be now. I okay. like that. I would say aerial. <laughs> My first experience with aerial. Um, <laughs> real name, by the way, is aerial. A Shakespearean sprite and so it just kind of worked out mm -hmm. that that yeah my name is what I do a little like digression which will lead us to this when I was 14 I had spinal fusion surgery to correct scoliosis I kind of felt very out of touch with my body when I was diagnosed with scoliosis because I felt like there was something inside of me that I couldn't control after the the surgery when I came out and I like survived because it's a very invasive surgery. They like screw steel rods into your spine. I felt invincible and I was like, wow, my body is this amazing thing and I have to do everything that I can with it and I have to use it to its fullest extent. So I got into to rock climbing and dance, like all sorts of m mostly modern. Like I wasn't I was never like a ballerina, mm -hmm. but just ways to express myself with my body and kind of like thrill seeking, like the, the rock climbing was, I liked looking down and like seeing how high up I was. And then I found pole dancing, my first sort of link to the aerial world. Mm -hmm. The first time I tried it, I, I thought like, wow, I could actually be really good at this. How and old were you? 17. Mm -hmm. And they actually had classes at crunch it was pretty crazy because it was in the middle of a gym and then everyone you know they had like high heels like in the class it wasn't an option to pole dance barefoot which it totally is now you just like had high heels in the middle of this gym or like the, the like stiletto mm -hmm. heels so I, I started doing pole dancing I got one in my apartment I like worked really really hard at it I started performing in the few clubs in New York City that had poles or like kind of makeshift poles that probably weren't safe, but nothing <laughs> bad ever happened. And yeah, I started to want to perform more. And a lot of the places that I went to go practice pole, they were like aerial circus facilities. So I would take silks lessons and other, I would and Lyra, and I would like sort of learn these other apparatuses as I was doing pole. And then I decided in order to be able to perform more around the city, I was gonna have to become multidisciplinary and like sort of not just do the other things on the side, like really get into them. When you first started 
specifically the aerial stuff. What was the hardest part of it for you? A feeling is sort of alien again in my own body. Like, you know, I remember I had this teacher who would always tell me that my legs were never straight. And I would I would think they were straight. I was like squeezing my leg as hard as I could. Mm -hmm. And then I would look at a video or like even look up and I was like, oh, my God, they're not. You know, it's it's very weird to think that you're telling yourself to do something and then you're kind of the result is different. So that that was the hardest part is was like sort of forcing these lines into my body and like forcing my body to make these these shapes or, or sort of matching up what my brain or like what I felt with what was actually happening. Nowadays, what's the hardest part for you? You know what? I would say schlepping around my different apparatuses. <laughs> That's like the hardest because I the the three that um, I would say are most unique are that I do a kind of pole that floats. It's like a a wind chime almost. So mm -hmm. that is fairly heavy aerial chains. And then I I do very dynamic performances on a apparatus called a lollipop, which is like a pole with a lira on the top of it. You list on your website all the different apparatuses that you own. So for the uninformed, can you give a little bit of a crash course on the different things that you own uh, and like what types of performance lend themselves best to a certain piece? Absolutely. The floaty pole or aerial pole is like a, a pole that that does not have a base. You basically hang it from a, an aerial point. I would say like very ethereal, like otherworldly pieces I like to do on, on that apparatus or sort of twists on like, you know, sometimes I'll wear the, the like platform stilettos or like, I guess, colloquially stripper, the stripper heels mm -hmm. on that. And people get a kick out of it because it, it kind of feels like a high, like a higher form of art, pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> um, but not to say that like regular pole or stripping is not a higher form of art, yeah. but it's just like, yeah, we all, it's like the general public might feel that way, right? Mm -hmm. So then there's the lira, which is a metal circle. There's, there's lots of tricks where you can, you can flip around like really fast. And on lira, I like to kind of, I guess, like start off slow do some like splits on it and then kind of end with a bang where I just like do a lot of rotations in a row on it I also have a piece on Lyra where I have LEDs on my ankles so I, I'm doing these like circles in the Lyra uh, so much that it creates a light trail which is really cool and then there's silks it's a it's a bolt of fabric that's that's basically folded in half for lack of a better term mm -hmm. so you you get these two fabrics hanging down and I think they're they're very dreamlike maybe like whimsical almost I don't perform a lot on silks because the way that I perform on chains is very similar mm -hmm. so I took all my knowledge of of silks training and I just applied it to the way that I do chains which is a very that's very rare. Usually you'll see chains in like uh, almost almost like a lira. Like you'll see them sort of like loops that you just that you sit on mm -hmm. or that you rotate on. I, I have them basically like a long chain folded in half and I'll sort of like wrap myself up in it and do all the the drops like when you wrap yourself up and then you let go mm -hmm. that you would do on silks. I do them on chains. 
um, that's really rare. There's only a couple of people I know that do it, and most of them aren't in the country. Why do you think that is? Because it hurts a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. It, it's it's because I almost say that I I I'm caught up like. My relationship with chains is like a quick fix <laughs> mm -hmm. or it was a quick fix. It was I really wanted to stand out. Um, and there were all these performers that had so many more years of performance experience on, let's say, Silks or Lyra. And I was coming from a pole background. So mm -hmm. people knew me as a pole dancer. I really wanted something unique. And I thought, well, I can I can spend like. 10 more years refining my silks technique mm -hmm. and like vocabulary or I can put up with you know a couple of months of like pretty intense pain and discomfort but then have something totally unique and and from my back surgery I I was like I can withstand a lot of pain like my pain tolerance is very high also I'm very small so the amount of weight that I put into the chains I, I assume that it wouldn't hurt as much as like even being 10 pounds heavier because mm -hmm. doing doing the drops that I do on chains like I don't it's, it's funny people will ask me to teach them and I'm like I I don't teach chains because I don't condone it I'm like I'm I don't think it's necessarily safe you mm -hmm. know I do it in the safest possible manner but a lot of the times I'm like I'm a crazy person for doing this I can tell you the lo sort of longer story of how that started if you want um I mean if you'd like to share it absolutely so I was asked to be in this circus show at the Muse Circus uh, Center in Brooklyn. And they kind of, the people producing the show, they kind of like added me last minute. And they were like, we'll figure out something for you to do. And one of the producers, producers of that show, who is now the host of my circus show, um, Matt Phillips or in drag laurel fixation said you know you should do chains you look like someone who should do chains like I just want to see you do them and I was like okay so I went to Home Depot which is what you do and I, <laughs> I bought I bought chains that had a you know the working load limit that was safe um, I also bought them a lot smaller than you would normally see because I knew that that would be more painful because um, <laughs> I wanted I just I was like I want what I do to be like really unique so I was like this will set me apart from it'll, it'll kind of put another another link in the chain <laughs> away from you know anyone who's doing something similar yeah I was just like okay I do this on silks let me try it on chains and at the same or I guess around me doing them for about a week or two um, my boyfriend the owner of Secret Loft Alex Newhausen he asked me to perform for his birthday on them because he was like, it looks like you know what you're doing. Like, you know, he just kind of saw a couple of little videos and he's like, yeah, can you perform on, you know, my birthday? And I was like, OK, sure. And in, in my mind, I was like, oh, my God, like I'm just doing little clips like I haven't sequenced anything together yet. And it was still like very painful. Like I looked like a leopard because I had so many bruises everywhere. Also, Alex's birthday is always a short shorts themed party so I was like I also was like damn it I can't wear pants for this for this performance mm -hmm. so I just kind of like sucked it up and somehow I put together this piece this like five minute long piece in 
shorts and every time it hurt and I was like, I can't. I just I literally couldn't even. There are some days where I was like, this is going to, you know, I, I it's not going to be ready in time or it hurts. And then I just thought like, Alex is going to think I'm so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so that really, I think that kind of like pushed me to realize that I could do it. That was like, you know, a, a sort of uh, intermediate catalyst because mm-hmm. um, I still had this other show that I was booked for, but that was like months away. And so this kind of kicked it up for me. Does it still hurt as much as it did when you started? No. And so, so the there's two ways that it hurts. <laughs> One is like pinching where like the chain's they kind of cross and then your skin is like in the middle of it. Ow. Yeah. It's just like the cringe. It's the cringe worthy moment. That doesn't really happen because I've, I've sort of learned how to lift myself up over them. Like I've just sort of, oh, this sounds so, uh, I don't know. I, I, I kind of hate myself for putting it this way, but I've like learned to speak their language. If you know, like take pride um, in what you do. You're good. Yeah. Like I've, yeah, we just kind of, it's autonomous. Like, I, I don't really think about how to avoid that, but I've learned to avoid that. Um, and then the other kind of hurt is, like, when I land a drop, the chain cinching. I've learned how to I, minimize that. It's always going to be, like, a, like, when I land um, kind of moment. And when I'm learning something new, that's always a little bit painful because I'm uh, – yeah, I'm just like figuring it out. So sometimes the first way that I try it, it's like not the best way because the mechanics between chains and silks are, they're a little bit different. So even though I'm sort of using the same technique or the same wraps for safety's sake, sometimes I have to change things up a little bit. But I always tell people when they see me do a performance, nothing that I'm doing in that performance is hurting me then. Mm -hmm. So um, like the road to get there was painful, but like the product, I, I never like to do anything where I'm, you know, I never like to do anything on stage in front of people where like I'm wondering whether or not it's going to go well because that's going to take me out of my performer mindset. So a lot of sex of performance will have their own slang, like burlesque performers have their own slang, drag performers, etc. What's like aerial slang or aerial terms that you only hear in that sphere of performance? So, I mean, a lot of it actually relates to the types of performance for for corporate gigs, which I guess is maybe part of the slang or part of the language. Um, a corporate gig is, you know, it's, it's a more upscale event, maybe at a bigger venue for a corporation or a company, maybe a holiday party mm-hmm. or a brand. And uh, they're usually very high paying gigs. Yeah. And so a lot of the the slang or the terminal the terminology is, you know, like enviro is like if you're just being paid to be part of the environment, you know, you're in a you're in a costume, but you're not really doing any any like crazy tricks or anything you're just kind of setting the ambiance there's also ambient ambient aerial um which is similar to enviro it's like being in a very i think it's implied that you're in a a pretty elaborate costume or like decadent or uh you know bedazzled costume and you're sort of like spinning or floating around but again no crazy like storyline or anything you're you're sort of uh 
a tchotchke for everyone to to look at. There's, I mean, there's the the equipment. So like the rigging equipment, it's it's funny because a lot of aerialists or working aerialists in the city kind of, you know, when you're actually at the gig, you're you're all like decked out and you have like makeup and crazy costume. But on your way there, you have, you know, you you look like a construction worker because you have all this gear, like all these the carabiners, which are the people might know them from like rock climbing or, mm-hmm. you know, uh to clip in um, to the point. The point is like the rigging point on the mm-hmm. the ceiling. Do you recall the first time doing aerial that you felt that like, okay, I'm actually pretty good at this or okay, I have something going here? I mean, well, so that, that performance that I did for Alex's birthday, I think right after that, I, I was like, wow, I'm... Like, this is the real deal. It's I almost, I guess before that I had a sense of, like, imposter syndrome where I was like, I'm fooling everyone or, like, I'm going to have to fool everyone into seeing me as, like, an aerialist. Um, and after that, it, it wasn't even what people were saying, you know, because they were like, that was crazy. That was incredible. But it was, like, just this this feeling that it, it kind of felt, instead of, like, something foreign, I was like, oh, this is, like, this is something I could really get into like this. It felt sort of like familiar and, and like satisfying. And there was also, you know, the first time that I tried pole, I was like, Ooh, I could, I could actually do something with this. There's one performance that I did, um, or there's a piece that I do on floaty pole where I have mermaid. I, I made myself mermaid fins and it's, it's this, sort of like ethereal mermaid uh mermaid piece and I performed it there was a a benefit to save the mangroves that my friend Shelton Lindsay booked me for at the the Paradise Club in Times Square and uh they have a the way that the room is set up it's it's like this circular um when you're performing you're under this like giant starburst and it's kind of like in the round and it was it was really cool to be like up at the top of the pole and just sort of like look 360 around and just see everyone like there's a look that people have when they're when they're transported somewhere else and and so many of these people had that look and it was it was great to to give that to them because this was this was a benefit and it was like there was a purpose for it but just the way that that event went I think everyone was sort of transported and that's I think one of the first times that I felt that that sort of vibe really Mm -hmm. strong yeah how did you first uh, get your start with your shows at Secret Law there's a performer an incredible uh, pole performer named Blaine Petrovia and he has a show called uh, Filthy Pony, and he did one of the, the the I guess like iterations of that show at Secret Loft, and it I I kind of ended up like stage managing the show because yeah he was like I want to do the show there, and then I I realized like oh okay I have to sort of be the liaison between the the 
the tech and the performers. Like I have to. Yeah. Yeah. And that it went really well. And Alex, he, you know, he was like, okay, you should do a show at Secret Loft. And I was like, I don't want to because then it's going to become, it's going to feel like work. You know, it's going to be stressful. And he was like, just do like a one-off show. And again, I was like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to do something, I want it to be different. Like if I'm going to put all this work into it, I don't just want it to be like another circus variety show. So I, I thought, okay, there has to be like three things that make it secret circus because I, I decided on the name secret circus um and then after the fact I was like well what makes it secret so I can get into that uh but just to answer your question that show like the first secret circus went really well it sold out Alex talked me to in, into doing another show six weeks later and then another one and then he talked me into doing it monthly and then I think we've had 20 two sold out like every one of the circuses has sold out so far congratulations um, thank you and yeah it's like two years later so that's that's what got me into doing it, it like alex tricked me <laughs> <laughs> nowadays is there anything that you find either particularly fun or challenging about putting together shows so the fun the fun part especially about secret circus so i'll, I'll get into please do. you want me to yes. get into like what makes it unique it's really cool if I do say so myself of course <laughs> so most shows they're either a variety show where like you you show up and everyone's just doing different acts and the audience knows that they're not really connected there it's just sort of like a mystery bag and then there are some shows with a very specific theme and you have to rehearse together and it's very cohesive so I wanted to create a show that kind of had like the performers would not have to like do all these rehearsals, but the audience could still get something really cohesive. So I reverse engineer the show. I ask the performers to tell me what they're doing, like just describe maybe the song or the costume. And then I pick a theme and characters for them that sort of weaves it all together. And our host, Laurel Fixation, does an excellent job at like really selling this theme to the audience because the performers are asked not to change anything. So it comes across as like these very sort of like nuanced, sometimes funny or like ridiculous takes on this theme. Mm -hmm. The audience gets their cohesive show and then, you know, the performers get to be part of a show that feels, feels very like tight knit and, and uh, feels like a, a story without, you know, having to create a new piece if they don't want to or having to go to rehearsals. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah, that's like this, what makes Secret Circus special. The secret, the secret circus. The secret. That's, that's one. I mean, the other one, I guess, is that it's at Secret Loft. We also don't tell the, we tell the audience members like the day before what the theme is. And we tell the performers the day before as well, just to make sure they're okay with, you know, the, the characters that I gave them. Like if, to make sure that they're not like, oh, I hate that person. I don't, you know. Yeah. Um, and the other, I guess the last secret is that we have a secret keeper. So we blindfold Lily Wolfson, who's the co-owner of Secret Loft, and people can whisper their secrets to her. And we also have a prompt. So, you know, the, the one that I'm thinking of right now that comes to mind is like we had – we had a, sh a show for around Halloween that was, uh, it was like, 
different uh, horror movie tropes and you and we made Lily a new ghost like a, a, a ghost that had just become a ghost and you know we said you can tell her you can either tell her your greatest fear or you know so she can learn how to scare you or what you did last summer so <laughs> those are examples of like the prompts what would you say has been your proudest accomplishment at this point giving performers a stage and amazing lights from from Alex to make their art because I feel like I feel like right now a lot of really good art is not being seen because it's very hard to like get into the like the zeitgeist or like the, the it's very hard to like get in front of certain uh, producers or get them to notice you for lack of a better term mm -hmm. and I feel like sometimes producers they like they get comfortable with you know like working with us with a specific person because it's it's safe or like because they're around that person all the time like I mean this can happen to me too like I'll work with a performer they do like such an incredible job and I see them and I'm like let me book you for future shows and then that leaves less room for like people that I haven't worked with but it it's the aerial community is or the circus community is very clicky and very like it's an unspoken sort of like clickiness and I try not to see that at all like I I try to just look at the art go see a lot of shows and I just try and say like does this catch my eye like does this move me does this make me feel all the feels you know and if it does I you know I'm like let's get you in here if someone wants to do something like someone that I've hired if they want to do something I've already hired them and I've sort of like by doing that I feel like I'm there to just accept what they're gonna bring that's that's why I have two separate shows there were a lot of circus performers that wanted to do like more experimental stuff and sort of like more theatrical like or like riskier stuff they weren't sure about and I, I was like okay we're gonna create like the show called Street Meat to kind of it, it costs a little bit less it's a little trashier and I'm like you can you can really like go at it here in circus I'm like just do something that you're a little more sure of I'm really proud of of uh and and like really satisfied and and touched I think by like seeing all the amazing pieces and artwork that comes out of my shows that's that's something that I didn't that I didn't think would happen or I wasn't expecting with that where can the people find you follow you see you and or consume your media okay so um I have a website and uh it's Ariel A-R-I-E-L-I-S-T Arielist.org um and I have all my different show dates um and pictures and video and um, like contact info on there. Um, my Instagram is a r i e l dot i s t, so it's Arielist. <laughs> um, and uh, you can also check out secretloftnyc.com. Um, yeah, check out our shows at, at Secret Loft as well. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. Of course.